G'day, Finn Bell here, bringing you another NAB podcast, the latest in our FX and your business series. Rodrigo Catrill joins me today, today being the 8th of July, 2021. How are you going, Rodrigo? Morning, Finn. Good to be here. It is an interesting time, I think, to be here at the moment because of what the RBA has come out with uh, just this week. Struck a very dovish tone, I think it's fair to say. FX markets, bond markets have reacted accordingly. Um, you've still got pretty limited tapering um, in, in RBA um, unconventional activity. Um, take us through what the RBA came out with and, and what you see um, what you see the direction being. Uh, yeah, it's interesting. And, and to your reference about sort of market reaction, there, there's even a debate as to what the interpretation of the market has been in terms of whether it's been dovish or, or hawkish. But uh, I suppose that the first takeaway is that relative to where we have been, you could make the point that the RBA is now less dovish in the sense that, um, you know, uh, until Tuesday, we had a sort of guidance in terms of yield curve control, for instance, there was a, in theory, a rolling three-year kind of commitment. Uh, but now that yield curve control has now been sort of fixed at the April 2024 bond, um, so we no longer have that sort of um, uh, open-ended, if you like, uh, guidance. Uh, and now it's been fixed to technically, you know, just under three years, 33 months um, uh, for, for the fixing of that three-year rate or two less than three-year rates. Now, um, so from a market perspective, I think that that was sort of more pretty much in line with expectations. So that that's not the big the big mover. Now, in terms of tapering or QE tapering, um, the market was positioning for this idea of a more flexible approach and, and some form of tapering. And I think we, we got that in the sense that uh, now QE from a sort of weekly pace of 5 billion will be reduced once the, the, the current program ends uh, to 4 billion per week. Uh, and that will be reviewed again in November. So again, pretty much consistent with sort of what the market was expecting, uh, some form of tapering and, and an approach or a more flexible approach to, to the quantitative easing program. So that's another tick, if you like. Uh, now, in terms of the sort of the other sort of more sort of unclear guidance that the IBA has been given, um, then there's certainly a, a, a bit of a, a hope, if you like, for, for the hockey side. Uh, in terms of the RBA now being more open to the idea that there could be a scenario where we could see the, the cash rate lift a little bit earlier than 2024, which is the sort of central scenario of the RBA. So in, in that context, the RBA acknowledges that the, the economy has actually been recovering a lot quicker than they had expected. In particular, also the labor market has been recovering uh, a lot quicker than they expected. But, and this is the big but, in terms of the RBA sort of outlook for inflation and for wages growth, um, the, the economy hasn't delivered more than what they expected. In, in fact, it's kind of been more or less in line with expectations. And, and if anything, the RBA governor was at pains to highlight the distinction between Australia and other central banks or other economies where you've seen inflation rising. So in particular, the, the reference was made to, to Canada and New Zealand where there's a bigger, more sort of louder talk of, of those central banks looking to, to hike uh, in the near future. So the governor was at pains to highlight how we are different to them in the sense that we haven't yet met those levels of inflation. Uh, and therefore, in their perspective, it's, they still sort of support the idea that uh, 2024 is the year where we should be looking for hikes. Um, but the market sort of really grabbed onto this idea that now the, the governor is a bit more open to these upside scenarios. Um, and if the economy continues to perform at the, at the 
pace that is performing, then many believe that we will see those rise in inflation and, and, and wages growth. So, so the markets kind of embrace that idea and, and from a sort of um, reaction to 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 um, to the governor's comments and the statement, we did see the Aussie dollar move higher on, on the day, but then of course that was reversed uh, over the course of the uh, you know following 24 hours. I mean, it, it's sort of interesting for me to look at the way the RBA is changing the rhetoric a little bit to leave themselves open to move before 2024, if if the if it's required, because we know that. The, the guidance that the RBA gave, just is around conventional monetary policy, around rates, um, about what it was going to do and how long it was going to keep rates at historically low levels for was was without precedent, effectively, in, in, in you know, Australian monetary policy history. And indeed, you saw this a little bit, you know, overseas, but certainly the RBA went very hard on it. We now find ourselves in this very different global position than we did a year ago or, or sort of 14 months ago, where... You've got inflation rising in in some countries, and I think there's a lot of question marks about where that's that's headed. And I'm sort of, I mean, if I knew the trajectory of that, I you know would be a richer man than I am. But it, it is interesting this move, perhaps back towards some level of flexibility. But then I also have a question mark in my mind about well, coronavirus trajectory. We've been we have this narrative that it's post coronavirus in places like the United States, the UK, continental Europe. But I wonder whether some of the developments in the UK are challenging that a little bit. And, well, what does that mean? And um, I think there's a lot of uncertainty there. Did you have any thoughts around where things are headed vis-a-vis virus outlook? Yeah, I, I think that sort of to emphasise your comment is that um, I can't remember which one of the central banks was the one that introduced this idea that we've got to be really humble about our forecast because of these unprecedented times and how things not only have impacted the economy and, and, and society, but also how they're still likely to, to still create, you know, waves of, of impact, uh, if you like. And, and, and the virus itself is, is a big unknown. Now, one of the big sort of issues about the, the recovery of the, from the pandemic has been one, that has been very swift, two, that it hasn't been, that has not been even. We've seen large companies perform better than small companies, for instance. We've seen the labor market, particularly those lower income jobs, being the ones that have suffered the most in terms of losing losing uh, jobs and now recovery also being slower to 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 gain them. Uh, and importantly as well, we've also seen high levels of savings that you know the, the, the consumers become very cautious. So this idea of the vaccines rolling out uh, and sort of allowing us to reopen completely is um, is being sort of really embraced by by many in the market and, and we've seen sort of the pricing of this improvement in global growth recovery. Now the variants and particularly the Delta variants is challenging that view and, and if anything you, you mentioned the UK that is sort of the big you know live live study case that we need to keep an eye on because they have one high levels of vaccination. They're also looking to reopen now fully reopen on the 19th of July um, but then uh, the, the infections are increasing, particularly coming from this Delta variant. So it will be interesting to see not only how the healthcare sector is able to cope with this increase, uh, but more importantly, I think it will be able. To, it will be interesting to see how the consumer copes with this. If the consumer is comfortable with this idea of reopening and living with the pandemic, it, it will continue to consume and you know draw down on those savings and support the economy, particularly in a scenario where we see that fiscal support also being withdrawn over the next 12 months. And, and of course, that dynamic will be very important because it's, a, it's sort of a, it's a case study for what other economies are likely to do. 
particularly bearing in mind that, you know, you know, countries like the US, for instance, the, the vaccination rate is elevated, but it's not there at a high level. And of course, the level of vaccination, the level of savings is also very high. And we have a big fiscal cliff coming in the US next year. So it's a very, very important dynamic that will determine how quickly and how well we recover from here. Indeed. Now, one final question. Um, where do we see the near-term outlook for the Australian dollar? And what about in the next sort of six months or so? Do we still believe that 83 cents by the end of the year? It's a great question. And I suppose that the first point to make in terms of the central bank's dynamics is, is that one of the takeaways from not only the price action from this week in terms of the RBA, but also the price action that we've seen uh, from other currencies when their respective uh, central banks have made uh, similar announcements in terms of tapering or in terms of guidance or, you know, talking about maybe the prospects that someday we will lift the cash rate. Uh, we've seen that, that those dynamics have proved to be very fleeting in terms of a support of lifting those currencies. So in particular, you know, we, we look at the, the movement price action of the New Zealand dollar where the market is now pricing the expectations for rate hikes um, this year in November. Uh, and yet the New Zealand dollar has continued to struggle just as much as the Aussie against the US dollar. Similarly, you know, we haven't seen big moves in in the Kiwi, in sorry, in the, in the pound and the Canadian dollar where the market is also pricing those, those prospects for sooner rate hikes than uh, what we were six months ago. So the takeaway then is that when it comes to currencies at the moment, central bank dynamics are not really the, the key driver. And, and in terms of where we see the Aussie dollar performing, it's really all about whether you, you think the global recovery will continue to perform. And in particular, whether others will join the party in terms of this recovery. Um, you know, we talk about the, the prospects for uh, the European economy to finally kick into some serious, you know, growth uh, rates uh, and pace. And this is consistent with what not only the ACB, but the European Commission expects in terms of the growth for 4.5% this year and 4.8% next year. That is really powerful. And we also got to remember that Japan, for instance, is also expected to finally embark on a, on a global growth, on a growth recovery for post the pandemic once hopefully they get through the, the, the current wave and they increase the level of vaccination. So Japan could become an important growth engine in the second half of the year. So if that is the case, then global growth uh, should be well supported. Um, and in that scenario, commodities are likely to remain in demand. And if commodities are like, remain in demand, that will be a very important factor that should help uh, the Aussie dollar slowly but surely edge towards that 80 cent mark. Um, there's, of course, a lot of risk, and we we touched on on the COVID and the market reaction to savings and demand. Uh, so we need to keep a close eye on that, and of course we need to keep keep a close eye on on how China performs as well, which is a very important uh, buyer of commodities, and 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 uh, will be important for for the Aussie dollar outlook as well. Well, there you have it. Thanks for joining us, Rodrigo. Pleasure. And thank you for listening. If you'd like to talk to an FX specialist, you can do so by clicking the link below this podcast or by emailing businessfx at nab.com.au. Thanks again. We'll catch you next time. Cheers. Music.